You're listening to episode number 55 of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. In today's episode, I am so thrilled to introduce you to Dr. Michelle Borba. She is an incredible educational psychologist who is so passionate about teaching parents how to raise thriving children in today's world. She has appeared over 150 times on the Today Show offering parenting advice. She is also the award-winning author of 24 books, including her latest, Thrivers, The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. You guys are honestly in for such an amazing conversation. I cannot wait for you to hear her wisdom and insight. So if you're ready, let's get started. Hey mama, welcome back to the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Freehan, and I'm here for all you mompreneurs out there feeling torn between raising a thriving family and building a business you love. I'm a photographer, community founder, podcaster, wife, and mama saved by grace, so I can totally relate to you multi-passionate mamas. Join me every week where I share with you the strategies and mindset shifts that you need to maximize your productivity and find peace in motherhood and business. That way you can have time for the things that really matter, like binging your favorite show and cookie dough. But seriously, are you ready to transform your life from feeling frazzled to focused and be equipped with the tools you need to juggle all the things? If so, you're in the right place. Hey there, Mama. Welcome back to the show. Before we get into today's conversation with Michelle, I wanted to take a quick minute and just check in with you. I wanted to see how you are feeling. I want to just kind of check the pulse. I know that this year, this past year, has been so crazy and extremely isolating. And I hope that you have found encouragement in this podcast. But if this is the first time that you're listening to the podcast, you might be wondering what the Purpose Gathering is all about. And essentially, my mission and my biggest passion is really helping mompreneurs feel empowered and supported. I feel like being a mother is extremely difficult. Being a woman is extremely difficult. And then throw in entrepreneurship on top of it and all of the responsibilities that we have as just being a human being, it can be super overwhelming and daunting. And so I really am so passionate about helping mamas just like you grow your business without sacrificing your sanity and your family. And if you've been listening for a while, you guys hear me say that all the time, and that's good because I want you to remember that. I want you to know the heart behind the Purpose Gathering and what it's here for. But I wanted to also introduce and invite you to a happy hour hangout that I have planned coming up on March 16th at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And the purpose of this virtual happy hour is really to connect with like-minded mamas. I want you to be able to hop on. I want you to be able to feel seen and heard. Every mama who registers for this free event will have the opportunity to submit their most burning question. The one thing that they are struggling with the most in their life right now, it could be in motherhood, it could be in business, whatever it is, you will be able to get live feedback from me on this call. 
I'm going to get through as many questions as I can, and I'm sure that a lot of you have similar questions. So I'm going to be going through all of these questions and bundling them together and making the most comprehensive coaching session for you mamas right here, right now in the place that you are in. I'm here to meet you where you are, but I'm not going to leave you there. And I want to give you the opportunity to find peace and to find joy on the other side. And so if you're interested in joining us for this super fun event, please head over to thepurposegathering.com slash happy hour so that you can sign up, submit your question, and I will be sure to save you a seat. I can't wait to see you there. Hey, Michelle, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here today, and I cannot wait to talk to you about raising kids today that are thriving in this crazy world that we are living in. So can you just take a minute real quick and introduce yourself to the listeners and let them know who you are, who you live with, and what you do? Oh, thank you for that. My name is Michelle Borba. I'm an educational psychologist, also a mom of three boys, former teacher. I I live with my husband and an incredible dog named Hobi. My kids have grown up and uh, I am passionate about helping kids become resilient so they can live someday healthy, happy, successful, and thrive. Awesome. I am so excited about our conversation today and I cannot wait because I know how difficult it is as a mama raising kiddos, thriving in a business, right? Trying to grow her business, trying to be a good spouse. And I feel like there's so many things on our list and just adding to it is now we are in charge of making sure that our kids grow up and are healthy, resilient, but also thriving. So I would love for you to share I know the subtitle of your book is The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. So share with us, what have you discovered in your research and how do we help our kids shine? Well, the number one thing, it is not a program or a tutor or one more app that helps our kids thrive. So everybody take a deep breath. And in terms of our most important role of our lives of parents, oh, it goes by so darn quickly, is to help our kids live someday without us and do so well. So what I discovered along the way is that thrivers are made, not born. It's not IQ, DNA, or GPA, or our zip code that's going to help them. I looked at longitudinal studies, the most amazing evidence of studying kids 40 years in the making, from you know birth till now, kids who were identified as suffering from enormous adversity in their lives. And And one third of them lived to be healthy, competent, and confident despite their adversity. So then the researchers went back and said, this is Emmy Werner, Norm Gominsky, Ann Madsen, some really high-level scientists, and asked the key question, why? What they discovered is they already had a you in their life, a caring parent who refuses to give up on them. But the parent had also instilled in them a few abilities along the way, the teachable ones that seem to be highly correlated with not only resilience, but better mental health and also helping kids perform better in the classroom. So it's not either or, it all works together. We just need to be a little more intentional on tuning in what the science says we should be putting our time and energy into. And that's gonna help us all breathe. 
Wow. Absolutely. And I feel like when you said right there, like it's not a DNA issue, it's more so us, us as parents being able to shape them into these people. So can you share with us some of those characteristics that we can instill in them? What do they look like and how can we start to make those happen and, and actually make those habits in their life? Well, the most important thing is we need a framework. So I, my most important thing to myself was don't overwhelm a parent. We already have too much. Which traits matter most? So I chose seven and I chose them because they were highly correlated first to helping kids thrive and be resilient. Second to improving mental health. Third, they were also going to help our kids be better good people thrive in a classroom in performance, but also fascinating enough, they're the seven traits that the Global Economic Summit, Harvard Business Review says, are the top employability factors. So that in mind, there's your go-to. First is self-confidence, so that they a child is focusing more on who I am, not what my mom wants me to be. Empathy, because social relationships seem to be the core, core of healthier mental health. Third is self-control, so they can manage that anxiety and stress and focus better. Fourth is integrity, so that they know what you want them to be in terms of their values. They're going to be able to make better decisions. Uh, then comes curiosity and openness to not just ideas, but also people, because it's diversity out there. Sixth is perseverance. Don't stop. Don't give up. Keep on going. And seventh is optimism or hope for the world that I see the world as, as a place where it's going to be okay. I'm going to be able to make it and I've got that, I'm going to get through it kind of an attitude. Yes, those are such good ones too. Now, listening to you talk about those, it seems like overwhelming for me to focus on all of them at once, right? So yeah. how do you kind of navigate or how do we as parents navigate these things? How can we teach them? Can resilience truly be taught? Number one, every bit of evidence says, yes, it can be taught. Number two is don't overwhelm yourself or your stress will go right down to your kids and the kids will go by, gosh, mom, don't buy another book because I'm just overwhelmed myself. So instead, you go to the chapter, first introduction, and you take a little survey. And it's a survey of identifying what your children's strengths are. It'll give you just 45 questions, real easy. It'll take you like 10 minutes and you identify the who your child is, which strengths they already have, pat yourself on the back, which strengths they need to work on. And then that'll be your, so where do I go next? Take your, the strengths that they have are what's going to guide them. That's what it's going to give them the joy and the most confidence. And we need to keep focusing in on those. By the way, the simplest way to figure that one out is take an index card this week and just watch your child a little more intentionally without them knowing you're watching them and write down what they're interested in. What gives them the most joy? What are things when they're doing it, they'll say, mom, I can't go to dinner right now. I really got to finish this. This is too cool. Write those down because that path, those traits are going to be ones that'll, that'll last forever. Those are your gold mines to be able to figure out. And that's who my kid is. And then what's the one little trait that we need to work on? If you work on the one trait and you pass your ideas on to anybody else, you're going to be better off. The book is going to give you dozens of ideas. So you choose the one that's going to work for you and just go with that. For instance, you're worried about optimism. 
The simplest one on that one, go to that chapter. My kids seem a little dismal about the news these days, aren't we all? It says, go for good news reports. The kinds of images our kids see either elevate their hearts or make them feel the world is mean and scary. So go to the back page of the newspaper and cut out those wonderful stories about helpers. Fred Rogers said, my mom would always tell me to look for the helpers. Research says that's exactly what you do do. Then what you do is take those, paste them on index cards, put them on your dining room table. You'll be able to use those the rest of your children, child-rearing days, and every night just review a good story that's happening out there in the real world. That's an easy idea, and you can use it as a parenting ritual that'll last forever. Oh, I love that. That reminds me, there is something that I do with my kids every morning when I drop them off at school. I, as we're waiting in the line, I just, I remind them, okay, guys, when you get back in the car, when I pick you up after school, I am going to ask you, what is one new thing you learned? Who is someone that you helped? And what is something that you're looking forward to tomorrow? Oh, and it helps them like just be aware and be alert for looking. I told them when you look for people to help, the opportunities will be there. But if you just, you know, don't think about it at the end of the day. When I ask you, who are you going to help? Who did you help today? You're not going to really know. So you have to be super intentional about it. That's exactly what it is. For And the second thing is it's a ritual. So what I discovered is those are the memories that kids really tune into. I mean, 40 years from now, your kid is going to be describing those, Ashley. Mom always used to ask us as soon as we got in the car. Those are the parenting moments that are ever. And notice how easy that is. Find what works for you and keep repeating it. One of the best ways to boost empathy is very similar to that. One mom passed on to me, she has three daughters. When they were little, little ones, she said to herself, how do I want my kids to turn out? Oh, I want them to be kind and I do want them to be smart, but how am I going to help them be kind? So she came up with what she called the two kind rule. Every day, every single day, just like you, Ashley, she'd ask her kids when they walked out the door, remember, do two kind things to people. What are your two kind things you're going to do? She had a list, by the way, they'd brainstorm ideas on a piece of chart paper that was hanging on the refrigerator. And then at dinner every night, what are the two things you did? And how did the people respond? Well, 30 years later, I've seen her kids. They're smart, but they're the three kindest kids you could possibly imagine just because it was one little ritual. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that. It's these little bite-sized tips that I think stick with us the most. I don't know about you, but I am such a like audio learner. So when I hear people talking to me, I store away those ideas and I will totally come back to that. I love that. Oh, good. Well, you know what? Here's another one. Integrity. That's that's number four. The other idea, by the way, you'll notice what I say, kids. I asked so many moms and so many kids, what are the best rituals you're doing in your house? And I found ones that are easy to copy, then put them into thrivers. But I love this one. We do know that children have integrity when they know what they stand for. They have a solid moral code. And the only way you get that is for us to instill in them what, how we want them to turn out in terms of values. So take a moment and pretend it's 40 years from now and your child has grown up. What are the virtues or values or traits you want to hopefully see in your child when they're grown up? Now that you've just figured those out, put that in the front of your 
a journal or the front of your phone and say, there's my parenting plan. Now turn it into a mantra. So one girl said, and I, by the way, this girl, the reason I interviewed her was all the teachers said, go find out how she became so good. She's so moral. She's so amazing. So I pulled her aside and said, every teacher wants to know how the heck you turned out to have such integrity. She laughed and said, it was how my parents raised me. So I said, oh, please do tell. How did your parents raise me? They said the easiest thing they did was I remember at age six, we sat down at the family room. There was all this chart paper all over. And my dad said, okay, we're going to decide what kind of family we want to be remembered for. And I sat there wondering, what are they talking about? No, how do we want to be recalled by other people? What are the words you want other people to say about us? So we started brainstorming terms like they're caring, they're kind, they're respectful, they're do-gooders or whatever. We had chart paper filled in because my mom wrote them all down. Then my dad said, we can't be them all, so let's choose one. We voted. We came up with caring. Our last name is Perlin, and that became our mantra. We're the caring Perlins. So I said, how did you remember it? This is the best part. I said, she says, it was impossible not to. My mother must have said it 50 times a day. Remember, we're the caring Perlins. She'd drop us off at school. We're the caring Perlins. They said it so much, we became it. And that's exactly how you develop character in your kids. So figure out what you like and keep saying it until your voice becomes your children's inner voice. That's how they become it. That is amazing. I love that so much. I was just talking to my husband about that today, how important it is to do check-ins with your family on a weekly basis and have a family meeting and decide what is important in your family and what are the values that you do want to instill. And it's also a really great place to talk about boundaries that you have in your family. Like specifically, we are struggling right now with our kids giving our room a boundary. Um, (laughs) Since our room is the only bedroom downstairs, when they are stressed, or feeling like mad or angry or scared, they use our room as a retreat. And so where do I go when I need that? And so we were talking about that today of like, maybe at our next family meeting, we need to talk about this boundary of when you're feeling stressed, you need to find your own space because that's my space. And then my kids fight over that. They're like, well, we both want to be in here. And I'm like, no, I want to be in here. And so isn't that funny? Like that... I love it, Ashley. I love it. Yeah, I'm going to give you one little tip. Yes, please Self- do. Self-control is number three, and we all need it because we're all feeling like little house on the prairie. We're all like, <laughs> like hunkered down with the same kids over and over again. Kids need, particularly in a pandemic for the rest of their lives, a way to manage stress and a place to go. Now, the good news is, Ashley, they've discovered and feel safe in your bedroom. But the second thing is get them out. So here's what you do. Number one is how about creating a calm down corner someplace in your home? And what you do is you ask the kids to be involved with you. When you start to feel a little anxious, now, by the way, You've got to do a little footnote to that. And that is for the next week, start helping everybody realize what are the signs that tell you I'm starting to get a little stressed. I need a little space. And it could be my hands are getting tight or I feel my breath starting to get really rapid or I can feel my heart start to pound. Those are wonderful things that help your child know his stress signs, which you need before you can manage the stress. Second, 
you come up with a calm down signal. That's a like an umpire signal. You just put it out in front. That means I need space. Nobody says anything. Everybody acknowledges it. So it's not time out. It's time in. So you just give yourself that. I need it. Now you need a place to go. And what you ask your child, your kids to do is let's go through the house and maybe there's some extra beanbag chairs or maybe there's some pillows or something. Where's a place we can put them? Some kids chose under the dining room table. Another one went over in the corner. But in addition, what are some things you need at that place to help you debrief and help you relax? And kids, every one of them comes up with something different, like books or bubble blowers or music on my iPad that's kind of soothing, or it could be a glitter jars. Now go to that place because your child already has helped you create it. And what you'll discover is they are now taking moments to de-stress by themselves. After the end of the pandemic, move the corner into their own bedroom so each kid has a place. The rest of their lives, they now know how to manage stress because you've been modeling it. That is such a perfect idea. I love that. And I actually used to be an intern in preschool uh-huh. and they had that, that like safe corner. And, um, but the one thing that I always wondered, and maybe you can answer this for me is, so this calm down corner, is this like, each child has their own or is it one for the family? Cause I no. always, okay. At the beginning, Ashley, it, it, particularly in a, in a quarantine kind of a world when you don't have a whole bunch of space, it's a shared space, someplace that's convenient in your house. And why is because you just want it fast by just acknowledging there's where you can go. What you want your child to do though, Ashley, and teens are the ones who told me we need a place to go. And I said, okay, what do you need? Teen said, (laughs) my kid said, well, I always put music on my iPad. I said, what kind of music? It was the first time I ever got credit. She says, music from your era. It's got less beats, so we can really relax better. <laughs> oh, too many beats. And I went, oh, thank goodness. We finally got some credit. But after a while, when they discover what helps them, what you'll discover is the kids usually start setting up similar kinds of things in their own bedroom. And that's really a goldmine. Oh, I love that. So now what tips do you have for me when both of my kids want it and they're fighting over who gets to be in the calm down corner? Because I know that's going to happen. <laughs> Actually, that would mean two pillows. Okay. <laughs> and you can also separate them a little bit because you can take the pillow, beanbag, we always had beanbag chairs around or whatever. You can also move it to some other place. Some kids said I'd need a blanket. Little ones want stuffed animals. What do you already have? Don't go buying anything. What do you already have that gives kids security? My favorite idea from one mom says is they put a sheet over their dining room table. Seriously. What the kids then did is take flashlights, went under the dining room table, started bringing books, and she said, you won't believe it. They're actually reading. It's like we now, as moms, as moms are going into it and reading with our kids, the dog's now there with us. And it's this fabulous place where we can all just melt out, relax, enjoy each other's company. And our, my kids are discovering a hobby, something that helps them soothe. They never realize the power of reading. Wow. Oh, I love that so much. And I do talk about that as like one of the things that I really realized in the mornings because both of my kids are back in school is they would get just like 
not lazy, but they would be lazily kind of getting ready. But if I sat there and read to them while they got ready, they seemed to be faster and they knew I was there watching. And so they were actually getting their tasks on their checklist done faster because I was there connecting with them and showing them that I care and that I'm watching. And I've noticed that they, every time that they're feeling stressed, they want to read with me. And so I love that. I do too, because we, look, one of the reasons we know that reading is so critical is obviously it boosts achievement and vocabulary. But we also know, according to Emmy Werner, who did the studies on resilient children, that most of those kids had learned a hobby. Many of them used reading, and that was their go-to thing when when they really needed to debrief. Uh, empathy, you know, that's the second trait that I talked about. We do know that one of the best ways to boost empathy in a child is find emotionally impacted books that you can step into the shoes of the character. That's why when you think about which books you will you never forget as a kid, Charlotte's Web comes up. Why do kids across the country right now adore the book Wonder and are reading Harry Potter? Because they're really emotionally charged books that help you step into the world of someone else. The book Thrivers, I purposely, as the former teacher, put over 300 children's literature selections, uh, just at least a few dozens for each one of the traits so that kids could read and you could, as a mom, talk to your child about not only the character, but why that character trait is so critical. Oh, I love that. I cannot wait to read those ideas. That's that's something that I struggle with too, is finding the books, right? That's just yeah. one more thing on my list to find a book that is going to help my child with what they need right now. And you've taken care of all the guesswork. So that's incredible. Oh, oh, thank you. Actually, the other thing I did is that I know that everybody's got kids of different ages. Every idea is is age level. So here's what to do for little kids. Here's what to do with the middle kid. Here's what to do with the teen. And likewise, here's books that little ones like, middle ones like, teens like. Even so, you may find that they're not the best ones. What's another book? But let's get books into our kids' hands because it really helps them relax and boost their empathy. I love that. So let's talk about a little bit about this crazy pandemic that we are still experiencing. And how do you think this is affecting our children? And what are some of those character traits that you think are being impacted the most? The first thing about how it's impacted, I'll, I'm going to put my psychologist hat on for a minute. Each child always is affected differently. But research says children who will be really kind of adversely impacted have three things going on. I call them three Ps. Proximity. If a child has had proximity to a very, very dismal event, watching the a death of a loved one from COVID right in front of them, or dad's business just derailed. That's proximity. Keep an eye on that child. The second thing is protective factors. Like, can they cope? Do they have an optimistic outlook? All the things I'm trying to teach in the book Thrivers, do they have them prior to the pandemic? It's never too late to teach them. But those kids who have those protective buffers do endure much better. The third one, they already have going. They have to have some kind of a, a protective person in their life who refuses to give up on them. The most important person is one who says we're going to get through it and manages their own stress because our stress spills over to the kids. Uh, a crisis only amplifies 
a pre-existing problem. So if your child already had stress or was a little worry wart prior to the pandemic, chances are he's only going to increase in that. So the first thing is watch out for those children who you do know, mom, that you already had some concerns about. The second thing is use this as a silver lining moment. We know that our children are facing a very uncertain future. If not a pandemic, I live in California, it was fires. If not that, it was a hurricane. School shootings were unbelievably difficult prior to this. It is an uncertain world. So now, what's one thing that you can use during the times that you're with each other together that's going to help your child learn a buffer? I'd say one thing is, uh, based on what Navy SEALs told me, keeps their optimism and self-control up, find a mantra, one mantra you can use as a family. Navy SEAL said the first thing that they do, seriously, I I worked on army bases across the world on helping kids with post-traumatic stress. And Navy SEALs told me, teach them one, two breathing. As soon as you know that your stress is starting to build, because you've already taught them, remember, your stress signs. You've been working on that for a while. Now you teach them slow, deep breath. Take a slow, deep breath, go real deep on your tummy. Hold your tummy like you're riding up an escalator or some kind of a visual help. So it's slow and deep all the way up to your head. Now hold it. Keep thinking about it and slowly let it out. Your exhale must be twice as long as your inhale. It's the fastest way to relax. I'm putting a point on that. You need a lot of practice in order to make that work. So do it as a family. Many kids breathe too quickly. Teen said putting a feather on a desk and telling them to breathe the feather, a counselor taught them, blow the feather real slowly, but don't let it bounce is the best way they learn slow, deep breaths. Do that as a family is powerful. The second thing that Navy SEALs told me is that they learn a mantra. As soon as they feel the stress sign coming up, they take the one, two breath, and then they say inside their head, one mantra that they've already chosen prior to the stress. Like, I got this. I can get through it. It's going to be okay. Parents, the best way to do that in your own home, actually, is say the mantra over and over again like you mean it for yourself. Your kids eavesdrop and hear it, and pretty soon they'll catch it. We got this. It's okay. We're going to get through it. One mantra, whatever it is, keep saying it until your voice becomes their voice. Those are powerful strategies they'll use forever. Oh my gosh, those are so good. Thank you for sharing those. I love the idea of the breathing. The other day, my son was just melting down. And just quickly, I thought of this on the fly because we didn't have like anything around us. And I just said, hey, Jaden, let's see if you can spell your name with the exhale of your breath. And so we would breathe in together. And as he was breathing out, I would show him how I was doing my name. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do an A. So I would breathe out and then draw an A with my head, basically, like drawing an A with my breath. And he thought it was so fun. And so he started doing it. And I don't know, you know, if that'll ever work again, but that was just something that I feel like We just have to be as parents really quick on the fly. And if we can have kind of a toolbox of these ideas that we can grab from, like that feather model, I love that. I think it's so important to teach our children that deep breathing can do so much for them. And we have to model that when we get angry as well. 
Yeah, Ashley, I love the deep reading with the with your name. Another one is because kids also need to feel where the breath is coming from, and sometimes they don't get it. The feather works for some kids. Belly breathing works for another. So you just put yourself back to back with your child and lock elbows, and you say, now, feel me. You do the deep breathing. He'll feel your deep breathing and monitor it and model it with you. He'll get the idea. Little ones. Oh my gosh. I was in a classroom before the pandemic with five and six-year-olds. The teacher had them all lying on the ground with teddy bears on their tummies. So what she'd say to them is take a slow breath. Oh no, no, no. You're going too slow. You're going too fast and it's making teddy bear really scared. They got the idea of do it slow, ride it up. Oh, he loves the ride going up. Now take it real slow, down, 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 real slow so he doesn't get scared. They got the idea, slow, deep, up and down. That's, That's the key. Amazing. Find it up and down. That is so incredible. I love all of these like different tips that you've given us because I think, like I said before, like as busy mamas who are trying to raise a business and grow a business, raise our family, I just feel like sometimes this gets pushed to the back burner because it's just so much easier to react in the moment than to yeah. take time to actually you know, teach them these character traits. It takes time to actually slow down. But what I have found is that when I take the time to really care about my children in each of those areas that you talked about, and I teach them those strategies, those little meltdowns that they have, you know, probably fade away within like two minutes versus if I just get angry and explode at them. Now it's like, we're looking at like 20 minutes. And so I think if we just take the time to do this work beforehand and we take the time to train our kids, it's going to be so much easier in the moment to follow through than if we just kind of navigate by exploding. Oh, you are so right on the mark. You know, the other thing I've discovered that's so fun is that once you start doing these, you've got to also honor the fact that your child will turn to you and go, mom, you need to take a deep breath. (laughs) They (laughs) start to figure out our signs and it's absolutely glorious because you know, he's getting it. He's getting it. I, yeah, don't overwhelm yourself with trying too much. What I tried to do with Thrivers is give you you know, about 300 ideas, not expecting you to do any more than five. Choose the ones that work for you. Like maybe it's the one-two breath or the feather breathing or whatever, but keep doing it about 21 days intentionally. Pretty soon what you'll discover is, oh my gosh, the relationship restores with your family, the meltdowns start to reduce, and you'll realize you're helping your child learn to thrive. Oh my gosh, incredible. Michelle, this has been so wonderful. Like I feel so empowered right now to, to try some of these new things and to just be really even more intentional about knowing what my children need to thrive and taking the time to actually make it happen. So I would love for you to share with everyone, where can they connect with you? And where can they purchase this amazing book that you've written? Oh, thanks, Ashley. Uh, it's real easy to connect with me. I'm Michelle Borba. So it's I'm a 1L Michelle. So it's M-I-C-H-E-L-E-B-O-R-B-A. Borba rhymes with Zorba. Just remember Borba. That's my website. It has dozens of video clips, all these ideas, uh, book discussion guides, everything. The book is Thrivers. The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. It's in digital, audio, 
a hardback version on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any place of your local bookstore. But I think the key is use it by going through, start by taking the the little core asset survey of your child and then delving in and going, what's the one little thing I want to do this month to help my child thrive? Incredible. Thank you again so much, Michelle, for being here with us. I have learned so much and I cannot wait to grab your book. Thank you. Oh my gosh, Mama. That conversation was so eye-opening and inspirational for me. I love having a framework and knowing those seven different character traits that we can help our children thrive in really just gives me such a great picture and a great idea of where I need to be focusing my time and energy. Michelle gave us so many little nuggets of wisdom, and I cannot wait to implement some of the tips and strategies that she shared with us today. If you love today's episode, please take a screenshot of it, share it out on Instagram so that more mamas just like you can get this information that is going to help transform the lives of their children and create more thriving, resilient children. Be sure to tag me at The Purpose Gathering and Michelle at Dr. Michelle Borba. As always, mama, you know I am here rooting for you and you are not alone on this journey. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. As we end our time together, remember that you were created for more. You were created to thrive with purpose and not just survive. So go out there and live your life with confidence and courage. For more resources and to become a part of our amazing online community and connect with like-minded mompreneurs, head to thepurposegathering.com resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to subscribe to the show and leave me a review on iTunes. Each review is so valuable to me and helps more mamas like you find the show. I'm so proud of you for listening and investing in your future. Together, let's link arms and make a lasting positive impact on our families and communities. You've got this girl, and I can't wait until next time.